Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Podcast on Radio MD, iHeart, or wherever you download us from. Thanks very much for doing that. Please do tell your friends about us. Feel free to rate us anytime you want. We have a great guest for you today. This is 1060B of our guest segments are always the Bs. And he is W. Chris Winter, who is a board-certified neurologist who is trained in sleep medicine and has done a really fabulous job with the book, The Rested Child. I don't think I've seen another book about sleep in children, and certainly not another one that has done this well. Um, It is why your tired, wired, or irritable child may have a sleep disorder and how to help. He's also the author of The Sleep Solution. His uh, Twitter feed and Instagram feed are at Sports Sleep Doc. That's because he has helped about 30 different professional or amateur sports teams help them get sleep. Must be tough before a match. I never actually, while I was playing, and, and as you know, I captained the uh, squash, the one of the squash teams in the Pan American Games, the U.S. team, I never had problems sleeping. But um, if you have problems, if you think about it, sleep is really important before matches. I imagine it's really tough when you're playing individual sports rather than team games to be able to get that perfect sleep. Or when you're at the professional level and competing and it really makes a difference to not only your feeling of worth, but actually how people value you. His Website, WCHRIS, winter, W-I-N-T-E-R.com. Chris, um, the, you start out with a Sleep 101 for parents in the book, um, and then the book goes through a number of problems that kids might have. Um, I'm going to obviously ask you about uh, the recent Chinese ban on... Uh, technology except on Friday, Saturday, and I think Sunday nights. They allow three hours a week. I think it's from 8 to 9 p.m. And what that, should America adopt something like that? Would that help sleeping in our kids or not? But first, let's go through um, a little uh, story about, um, if you will, what, how do we sleep and how do kids sleep? Um, and I should say it's pretty easy. I, I did say that you were board certified, but I didn't give the rest of your background um, and the fact that you are or have been the sleep doc for the Los Angeles Dodgers, the New York Rangers, and the Oklahoma City Thunder, as well as a number of other teams. And I guess they do have some older teenagers on those teams from time to time. But how did you get into kids, and is there a difference in how, how kids sleep versus adults? So first of all, it's an honor to be on your show. Your publications are, are outstanding, and, and I've been a fan of your work for some time. So to hear, 
hear your voice and hear you say those things are very, very, very meaningful to me. Um, yeah. Well, it is a, you, you, I should make sure I don't, I read the books before people go on and you have a great book. So, um, I'm in awe of your book rather than the other way around. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. So and your work. So yes. Yeah, so, so I'm a neurologist by training and I just see sleep. So I've, I'm, boarded in, in sleep medicine from the old and the new sleep board and have been involved in sleep research or sleep science since I was an undergrad. I just accidentally kind of started working for this wonderful mentor at the University of Virginia and just kind of went on from there. So my clinical practice is just adults and kids sleep. Um, and so if you have difficulty sleeping or you sleep too much, or you don't feel like you sleep enough or anything to sleep adjacent um, we deal with. And so, um, and, and that's how we started working with some of the athletes that you described because they obviously have tremendous pressures. And I love squash. I don't play much, but I live in Charlottesville, Virginia, and they have a huge squash center here. And so every now and then we go across the street and watch these squash tournaments. And it's an amazing sport to watch. So that's, I had no idea you were the captain of the Pan American team. It's fantastic. But, you know, kids. It, Having seen adults and kids in the same clinic over the last 10 years, the number of young people that we see has just shot up. So to me, number one, that was the biggest reason I, f I felt like I wanted to write the book was because, gosh, these numbers are going up. They're not going down. And you're very keen what you said initially. I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised that you said it when you said, you know, I read your book, there's nothing really out there like it. Because when I pitched the book to my publisher, and there are Penguins, a fantastic group, and the subgroups underneath there and the imprints and whatnot are just wonderful people. But there was a sense of, oh, could you come up with something a little bit more unique than Kids in Sleep? Because we got a lot of those books. And I remember having this meeting with them and saying, you actually don't. I think what you're probably thinking about are books about how to get your kids your babies to sleep through the night. And I said, those are important books. Um, God knows I, I read a few myself when I had my own children, but, but that's not a book about sleep and children. That's one little subset, one little piece of the pie. Um, and it kind of gives people this idea that's a little warped that once you get your baby or your child to sleep through the night, you're done. Like they're not going to have any more sleep problems until menopause or they rush a fraternity or something way, way down the line. And I think that really couldn't be further from the case that these, these disorders are almost ubiquitous and the expertise and understanding of them that's out there is really, is really not. And so it's this terrible mismatch of lots of kids with sleep problems and not a lot of sleep doctors or sleep expertise to help with the problem. And so what is different? What, what, I guess, how do we go to sleep? What causes us to go to sleep? And how is that any different in kids versus us uh, middle-aged or older adults? Sure. So there's several systems in our brains that are affecting our ability to sleep. And, and one of them, which is often referred to as more of the homeostatic system, is the mechanisms in your brain that are basically working to say the longer you are awake, the more likely you will be to sleep. And it's been worked out that that's probably being facilitated through a chemical called adenosine. So if you remember in biochemistry, there's the nucleus of the cell and the mitochondria and the mitochondria is sort of the furnace of our body. It's where we're taking the 
chemical energy currency from the food we eat and converting it into energy, literally like a little furnace burning it up. But one of the byproducts of that process of cleaving ATP is the formation of a chemical called adenosine. So as adenosine accumulates in your brain, it tends to make us want to seek sleep. It's also the chemical that caffeine works against. So when you drink caffeine, it sort of temporarily blocks the effect of adenosine on your brain so that you feel a bit more awake and alert. So the mechanisms of kids and adult sleep is by and large the same. However, there are key differences, one of them being a young child has not fully developed their sleep mechanisms yet. So when you're looking at an infant, a newborn, um, when you look at their brains, there's all kind of primitive reflexes that will eventually go away. You know, we, we, we birth our babies not entirely baked, so to speak. So there's still more formation of the sleep to come. And that's one of the things I talk a little bit about the book. You know, I love your style of you, the owner's manual. What's an owner's manual? It's like, here, let me let you understand your television, your car a little bit more. So maybe you could change the oil or the brake pads if you wanted to. And I felt like there needed to be a little bit of that in this book for a parent of any age child to sort of understand kind of how sleep works. Melatonin is another chemical we talk a lot about. A lot of doctors give this drug out to help people sleep. Melatonin is really not a sleep aid. It's a sleep timing chemical. Were it not for melatonin, we would all sleep our eight hours, seven hours, nine hours, whatever. We would just doing, be doing it all over the place in a 24-hour period versus when you run into your friend or your neighbor or the person sitting next to you on the bus. Chances are he or she kind of likes to go to bed around 10 or 11 and likes to get up around seven to nine, somewhere in there, generally speaking, because melatonin tries to keep everybody's brain relatively synchronized. So I, I'll, I'll jump right back to something you said earlier, which is very interesting too. Chris, what do you think about eliminating or radically reducing technology in children and would it help them sleep? I think the question is unequivocally, yes, it would help them sleep once they get over the shock of not having a phone in their hand. Um, I, I don't think there's really much of a question of it. Um, and one of the things the pandemic has really created is, you know, when I was growing up, if my dad thought I was on my, you know, Atari too long, he would always threaten to unplug it from the wall and throw it out the window. He never did it, but it was definitely within his capability to do it. And had he done it, that would have been it. My connection to electronic gaming would be done. And, and now this is so ingrained in what we do. And now it's also kind of ingrained in our school. Um, so when I look at my children, I've got a high schooler, I've got a college student, and one who's finished college, you know, school and technology are now one and the same. So as I walk up to my child on the computer and I look over his shoulder and see him working on a Word document, was that what he was doing five minutes ago? Or was he, you know, playing some game where you're shooting other people and taking their belongings? I have no idea. So I think technology and to some degree, the way schools are structured these days are probably two of the biggest threats to kids' sleep and, and ergo their health. So if you will, um, let's uh, talk about other things. So when China did this, I assume it was to improve learning and to be able to... Um, I don't know, did, do you think they did it to focus on sleep or they did it to improve learning? But in other words, how much do does technology uh, 
interfere in the in these years. I guess you know, not having anything but grandkids now from that standpoint, um, my guess is kids start to see technology uh, pretty early, um, even if it's just uh, watching uh, TV, their favorite shows on iPads. Um, is that interfering with their sleep? In other words, we're always taught as adults, get rid of your blue lights at uh, whatever it is, two or three hours before you go to bedtime. And although I don't know how much kids watch shows versus are read stories these days. Yeah, I think there's lots of problems with technology. And you're right, you know, China basically said, we're doing this to improve the mental and physical health of our children. It's, it's an ambitious step, but I, I, I can see lots of positives to it. Um, you know, the first is, like you said, the light. So we sleep best when we're exposed to sort of a gradual diminishing of light as the sun goes down. So unfortunately, we live in these wonderful houses with light in them. So we could spend an entire 24-hour period at our desk and on our computer and from our brain's perspective, it would never get a sense of the light getting greater as the day kind of moved to lunchtime and the light getting diminished as it moves to the evening. And when we talked about melatonin, melatonin secretion happens when we have that loss of light. So if you were outside throwing a baseball in a place that wasn't lit, about the time that you would say, you know what, we need to stop throwing the baseball because I can't see it very well anymore. I don't want to get hit in the face with a baseball that's the time where melatonin is probably surging at its highest in the young person and an adult too. And when we take away that loss of light, we take away a huge cue to our brains that sleep is on the horizon. So I think that, you know, limiting those games, limiting exposure to televisions and, and phones, you know, we, we have a rule in our family that phones sleep in the kitchen. Um, so we all plug them up in there um, so everybody can see adults too, that the, you know, the kids can see the adults, adults can see the kids, that everybody's phones there. We don't have them in our bedrooms. The other problem with the phone and the technology and the games and the, and, the, and the videos is that it's creating, it's a drug. I mean, if you talk to these video game creators, they will tell you they are in the business of manipulating dopamine. So dopamine is a neurotransmitter in our brain that facilitates addiction and body movement. Um, so when your child is in his bedroom, wanting to go to sleep, has the phone in his face, watching this video of a car crashing or something even more scandalous, they're getting little squirts of dopamine, you know, in their brain. And the problem is dopamine has another role in our brain. So neurotransmitters facilitate multiple roles in our brain, depending on where they're acting. And one is facilitating wakefulness. So it's very difficult to take the phone out of your kid's hand at 11 o'clock at night turn off the light and say, go to bed. I mean, there's so many factors working against that child being able to wind down. They, they're now in the dark for the first time. You know, there was no loss of light. They were watching this kind of gory, exciting, fascinating, sexually charged video. And now their brain wants to think about that and deal with that a little bit more. It wants more of that. It certainly doesn't want catcher in the rye. You know, so there's all kinds of problematic things that go along with technology and, you know, with schools utilizing that so much now, it becomes difficult to say, okay, you need to do your schoolwork. I'm taking your technology away because, you know, in this sort of post-pandemic era we're in, it's kind of one and the same. 
so one of the ideas you have given us, given all of us, is to uh, put the phones with the kids in the same place in the kitchen. Very great idea. And there are a whole mess of wonderful ideas in this book called The Rested Child. Um, and we've had too short a time. Uh, Chris, the, the website is wchriswinter, W-I-N-T-E-R dot com. And the, uh, ins the Instagram and Twitter is at sports sleep sport s p o r t s l e e p d o c at sport sleep doc um, the book as i said is a follow-on book to a great book his first book the sleep solution this book is called the rested child why your tired wired or irritable child may have a sleep disorder and how to help. Uh, so there are a lot of great things. It talks about nightmares, night tremors, sleepwalking. It talks about ADHD. It talks about snoring and sleep apnea and how important that is. Um, and obviously sleep, I think, is has been um, like stress was in the era before us, in the 10 years before this, that is underappreciated and now is getting appreciated as one of those really, really important things for brain function as we not only are young, but as we get older as well. Uh, Chris, thank you very much. Any final thoughts that we should impart to our um, listeners? I, I think that you, you've really said it. You know, to me, sleep is something that is modifiable and, and kind of fixable. The two things that I would impart are Sleep problems are very common in children, and they don't look like sleep problems in adults. So if you're waiting for your child to, you know, nod off in class like a, you know, like our fathers nodded off in church, you're going to miss things. Look for school decline, changes in behavior, changes in attention, and don't assume that your primary care doctor has a lot of training in sleep. Uh, I think it's something like the average pediatrician has about four hours of training in sleep over their career with 25% having none. So don't be afraid to ask your primary care doctor, you know, if you have a child that you're concerned about their performance, their growth, their health, you think something might be going on with their sleep to see a sleep specialist. Um, it can do wonders for a lot of kids. Amen to that. Thank you very much. And thank you, Caitlin, for great engineering. Uh, Donna for Gould, our producer for setting it up, but especially you for downloading us. Tell your friends about us. This has been... 1060B. And by the way, you can always download the A segments. The A's are the latest news of the week and what it means to you. So thanks for keeping us, um, 50,000 of you, for downloading us weekly. So thanks again. We, as usual, are sponsored by Bovine Colostrum. Has nothing to do with sleep but a lot to do with your gut's wellness. Remember, if you take an aspirin or other non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug or you exercise vigorously so much that you get a leaky gut, think of bovine colostrum as something you can use to help prevent it. I don't know if it treats it, but it certainly helps prevent it. So do that and talk to your doc about that. Bovine colostrum 
is our sponsor. Thanks again for downloading us. Chris, thanks for a wonderful book, The Rested Child, and for coming on and being one so gracious and generous with your time. We'll be back next week, and I can tell you our guest next week is someone who will be talking about gut health to us, and you can always find us by downloading us at iHeart or Radio MD. Thanks again.